would have believed in the last years of the 19th century that human affairs were being watched from the timeless worlds of space. Hi, this is Bob Muir. And this is Mr. the Bandit. And this is the Bob Muir and the Enemy podcast. Once again, missing the Enemy Below because he has this thing called life, a family, loved ones, all these... I wouldn't know what that is. All these, all these interferences that uh, seem to take up an enormous amount of his time. Yeah, but, it's always uh, this with, like, you know, the kids aren't I have, sufficient, even uh, though, uh, you know, they can, uh, you can't know. talk yeah, or feed you know, themselves. Yeah, you know, it's just, you know, like, it's just, and he actually seems to act like he actually likes them, which is which is kind of, you know, I don't know. Anyway. I don't even like people that <laughs> I'm sort of related to. <laughs> anyway, so how are we doing? Uh, we are doing... Um, yeah, we're doing all right. Yeah, I've got a lot of uh, midterms I'm working mm-hmm. on. So, okay. Other than that, uh, other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Yes, yes. So, um, let's see. We have a um, we're the the new season is just about to start. I have seen that they're going to kick off the Flash season with the Flash of Two Worlds, uh, with uh, Jay, Jay Garrick. Garrick. Yeah. As the as the Flash, they've actually Comics Alliance has some pictures up. Yeah, of, I saw that. The, I, I was really I knew they threw the helmet from yeah. the other dimension, the other, other world. Yes, uh, at the, the end Berkey. of the what season finale last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I was still a little um, skeptical as to how that helmet would look on an actual human well, being. And it's. Kind of goofy, but we'll just. It is goofy, but it actually works better than I thought it might. Yeah, and it's also the gold. You know, it was from the golden age, so they're just you know like they kind of like. You know. <laughs> I like that you say that like it excuses it. <laughs> you know, well, you know, if the you golden looked, age. Well, if you looked at some of the other golden age costumes, I mean, that's actually not as bad as some of them. <laughs> that's would. true. Although I was going to say, uh, I I did see that. That is not going to be the only Flash, though, that they put on there. I think Wally West is going to be yeah, joining at some point. Yeah. But so, I imagine... You, know, you know what? At some point, if everyone is a Flash, then it's not that spectacular if everyone's going fast. Yes, it suddenly becomes like, you know, oh... <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, it seems like... Uh, oh, ho-hum. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, uh, you know, everyone can do that. Not, not that anyway. exciting. Not that exciting, but I noticed that the one thing they didn't do is that they probably actually probably tried it in the first time they put it together. Is that the arrow that the flash arrow that goes across his chest in the comic book is is yellow, and in the in the in the in the television show it's just basically he's just got a red shirt with like a incised arrow, you know, like a well, a yeah, although I mean, red shirt may not be uh, uh, as appropriate or giving them enough credit. It's more of like a like a leather. Yeah, it's like a leather thing. Leather yeah, shirt. but I mean, the it's insignia, similar. Was, it looked a little more uh, dulled down, like yeah. trying to uh, uh, underplay, which is yeah. kind of ironic since that show has been, of all of the comic book shows I've seen, uh, maybe ever, mm-hmm. uh, other than maybe just the goofiness of the original Adam West Batman series, but has made no bones about uh, its comic book origins and the, the goofiness uh, that the comic book world can offer. Yes, yes. Although I am actually, not only that, I understand that in Arrow, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a crossover, but apparently he will finally refer to himself as Green Arrow at some point. 
Well, okay. And and I just read something today that I thought you might appreciate. Um, that we had talked about, you know, several podcasts ago, which is that uh, you remember we were talking about how all these comic book heroes, you know, like uh, I think in Fantastic Four, the first. Uh, let me rephrase, <laughs> not the first, but the first big budget Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Michael Chiklis and uh, Chris Evans, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, they, they save people, but they save them from the destruction that they have initiated or caused. Yes, the consequences. Which is like, well, if you didn't exist in the first place, you know. This wouldn't have, it wouldn't have, you wouldn't be in danger. Yeah, you don't yes. really get the credit for saving us from the shit and havoc that you just caused. Right. Having said that, there was a great comic book series, uh, you know, probably in the 80s, and it was a, you know, just, I think, a short run series called Damage Control, which was kind of funny about the utility, uh, players that have to go around cleaning up all the damage. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, Marvel Television is going to uh, pursue their first sitcom, half-hour sitcom, <laughs> and it's going to be Damage Control, which, yeah, it's always a funny idea, especially in the wake of all of the controversy from the uh, old Man of Steel, mm-hmm. just kind of like, uh, well, it, thanks, it Clark, have... for... Uh, yeah, it could be a could be sort of like a sly backhand at the excessive damage to Man of Steel, or basically like, hey, you know, like, oh God, Thor was at it again. All right, let's go. Well, that's exactly <laughs> it, and you know, and I think that that, I think they're going to address that in the new Batman v Super Superman uh, film, where it's kind of I think Bruce Wayne's role in it is going to. Uh, which, by the way, they're making it seem like Metropolis and Gotham, I guess, are sister cities, like, on the bay. Like, they're across from each other. Mm-hmm. And I guess uh, Gotham is more of, like, the lower class. Yeah, I guess. Lower class, but kind of the darker. I always well, thought that Metropolis was uh, Manhattan and Gotham was Chicago. But the way they're making it seem is that it's more of, uh, like, San Diego and, I don't know, San Francisco. Or what, what are, the, what are well, the ones that are on there, like, that are... Dual well, across from each other. Oh, that's Minneapolis and St. Paul is about the only thing I can yeah, think of. Yeah, I don't of, even which, know what the hell I'm talking about. about so, but but it, it was something that was not. Well, there's St. Louis, Missouri. I, I always thought of them as. But with there's Kansas City, Missouri, and there's Kansas City, Kansas. And Kansas City, Kansas is kind of like a, a, a extremely low rent. I'll have to uh, I'll have to look it up. But they they yeah. they described it because I honestly my my. I always thought, I mean, and, and maybe they're just changing the film, but I mean, Metropolis was Manhattan, and yeah. Gotham was Chicago. Well, I, I think the original the original intention of Gotham was something like uh, Manhattan below 14th Street, you know, where it's just like, you know, a little bit darker, gritty, narrow alleys and everything maybe like that. Maybe it's just because Nolan filmed it in Chicago, and yes, I, I think just no, kind of associated it with a, no, it, a it's darker... Not a, it's a darker, grittier city. It's a much darker and grittier city than, uh, you know, it's more stone and Metropolis, you know, it's more stone and concrete, whereas Metropolis is like the steel and glass kind of right. structure. Yeah, a little shinier and brighter. But yeah. but apparently in the, the next film, they're going to address that whole Man of Steel ordeal by having uh, Bruce Wayne, you know, really taking uh, Superman to the mats for the destruction he caused uh, both in Metropolis and I guess by default uh, Gotham. When he was like trying to beat up the, yeah, 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 which, yeah where he was, uh, he and Zod, you know, and and not only that, I mean, if you think about it, this is the first time. It's not like people said, "Oh, look, it's Superman; he's protecting us from Zod." 
there yeah. were two alien beings that had come out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and I guess, yes, the like, living thank you for defending us. You're just like, both these guys, these assholes are destroying our city. <laughs> beating the living daylights out of us. Is gonna yeah, be the, yeah <laughs> like, I mean, th- thanks for saving us from you. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know who you are. What does they? You know, we, we, You're stopping you, him. Who's stopping you? Yes, exactly. That would be that would be the uh, the original. That would be the, the, definitely the initial, uh, you know, the initial reaction to oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, well, we'll see. Well, I um, now this, as far as but getting back to TV shows real quick, I did watch the first. Uh, I mean, I am very excited for Flash coming up and uh, mm-hmm. Arrow, and mm-hmm. uh, and I like that. In fact, someone had I think someone on the show. Basically, and oh, that's who it was. It was Robbie Amell, uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Amell, the guy who plays, or Amell, however they say it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his cousin who plays Firestorm, although Firestorm okay. is going to be changing a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's a different story. But he was saying that essentially Arrow, Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow are all one show, ostensibly. Mm. You know, I mean, they're all interconnected. I mean, they're different shows, but they're all interconnected. They all have, they all kind of share the same universe and they're sharing the same sort of, um, oh, you know, like the things right. that happen they have in the one. the same trunk, but they branch off into these different avenues, but it's mm-hmm. all coming, you know, and it's all coming back to the same, same yeah. roots. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. I, I'm really, uh, and I think CW is, it's kind of, this has become their, you know, instead of having the teen melodrama, like uh, they they're really you know going all this, in with a superhero. And well, it seems to be. I mean, they seem to be do they do it well. I mean, or that production company, whoever is doing it, does it well. And that's certainly a um, um, yeah. I mean, they of course you know this, they're using the DC universe, and of course, unfortunately, it's kind of um, restrict. You know, they are kind of like handicapped a little bit because they can't use like the big guns of the DC universe in there. Uh, yeah, and I, I But on the other hand, maybe the fact that they didn't and can't has actually led them to be a little bit more creative with what they're doing. I agree, although I think that where it's going to become very interesting is when uh Batman v Superman comes out mm-hmm. and you have the initiation or or uh, not the initiation, but the initial uh introduction of say Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and even mm-hmm. the Flash, right? You know, and so how I'm I'm kind of curious to see how America will react to. Well, why am I going to go pay money to see the Flash on the big screen when I can see the Flash on the little screen? Right, right. To yeah. distinguish, you know, and and it's going to be it, it's going to be the same way that Sony has got. Uh, you know, they're now going to do the Spider-Man film with Marvel, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, simultaneously, they're getting uh, Lord and Miller, the guys who did the. Uh, Oh, uh, uh, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, uh, mm-hmm. Lego movie, you know, very funny guys. They do the Last Man on Earth TV series. Okay. Um, but they've been able to take ideas that don't seem very commercial and, and make them commercial. But they mm-hmm. are going to be in charge of the Spider-Man animated film coming out oh. simultaneously. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, I, you know, by having these properties and kind of double dipping simultaneously... I love it, but I'm just curious how much, you know, they, you know, how many average Joes or Janes are going to go, okay, so wait, is this connected to the other one? Or, you know, can they actually separate mm-hmm. simultaneously? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and by the way, on a quick note, I just thought you would appreciate, I heard uh, Bill Maher say something, this is a 
sorry, a uh, uh, off the beaten path, but it, it oh. just reminded me we were talking about you know respecting the art without respecting the artist, and we had talked right. about people mm-hmm. that were. You know that that may not be great people, but <laughs> yeah. great art, and can you actually distinguish mm-hmm. um, or emotionally separate? But the one I heard was Bill Maher referred to Charlie Chaplin as the thinking man's pedophile. <laughs> and of course, the audience booed, and he goes, and he's like, "Really? Are you fucking kidding me?" A hundred years after this fucking guy, you know, was having sex with fourteen-year-old girls, and you're booing me. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> but, but nevertheless, nevertheless, it, it did. Uh, it did make me laugh because I think people, you know, they, they choose not to think about that kind of thing. But I had forgotten. I knew Charlie Chaplin had been with younger girls, but 14, I, I hadn't even. I, I don't know. I, I, I knew there was one that was very, very young. Uh, yeah, like 16. But I mean, I, I, it's yeah, it's not it's, surprising if you're going to 16. Yeah, you know, like 14 is like, yeah, splitting hairs. It is splitting hairs. You're doing 16. Now, he just had, um, he, I mean, and he, I think it was, um, he was actually when he, I remember it was during the filming of the, uh, and he had a tendency to fall in love with his, with his, with his co-star. I mean, that just seemed to be, they would work, you know, and I remember they were talking about they were leading during the, during the filming of, of, uh, the gold rush. Right. Uh, he was dealing with the fact that he has basically, you know, the, his relationship with, with the, um, Batty Arbuckle. Well, no, with the woman he had married, with the woman he had married, who was the, actually the young woman. I mean, right. she was actually. No, I'm, I'm being. Uh, yeah. And she was the one that was like 16, and right. you know, so and she was like 18, 19, you know, and they already had a kid. I think a child or another like two kids. Well, that uh, that that that's always up there. I think we had talked about this before, yeah. but it's like with Elvis Presley convincing uh, Priscilla's parents that mm-hmm. he was going to be her guardian. Yeah. Stateside. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure that yeah. no one did anything. Mm-hmm. Ill to, to her, her except uh, me, <laughs> except me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that goes back either. to the whole uh, Superman yeah. uh, conundrum of, you know, you're saving us from him. Who's saving us saving from you? From you, yes. So I mean, but he was also like falling in love with. Uh, he was ending up falling in love with the um, with the female lead of the Gold Rush, uh, the female lead of the Gold Rush, showing sense that God gave a rabbit. Just was like, no, Charlie, no, sorry. Thank you. We're 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 not we're prov- you know I'm a professional. I'm an actor. This is not going anywhere further than that. <laughs> you know, right. So well, I mean that's yeah. you know women do mature faster than men. Yeah. So there is actually so <laughs> though though it is kind of interesting that there is a real pa- I mean there was a real pathos in the gold rush that he was obviously you know, longing fact, for something that he could that he have. was just not going to get and he you know because he was like that lunatic genius that he was he decided okay i'll just use this for the film you know it's like well yeah that uh, you gotta be that, there's sense. a certain I mean, cold-blooded aspect to uh his comedy that was just right. uh you know part of it you know part of it was just simply like i'm gonna take things that just absolutely tear tore me to pieces emotionally and i'm gonna make comedy out of them and it's like whoa oh yeah this, yeah well i mean like, i yeah. think that's you know i what is it i i think mel brooks said one time that uh you know, uh, comedy is seen. Uh, no, no, it was Chaplin. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Mel Brooks had a funnier take on it, or a, a funny take on it. But Chaplin said that the difference between comedy and tragedy is, you know, uh, uh, comedy is the long shot of seeing a man fall into a manhole. Yeah. And you know, tragedy is the close-up. Yeah. You know, of actually the seeing the pain. You know, from far yeah. with distance, 
And I th- and then Woody Allen said, you know, time, uh, tragedy plus time equals comedy. Right. And then I think Mel Brooks said, you know, uh, what did he say? Something like, uh, oh, I can't even remember. It was something along the lines yeah. of, you know, falling down is comedy, skinning your knees, tragedy. Tragedy, if it is, if I'll cut my finger, that's tragedy. It bleeds and I'll cry and I'll run around and I'll go into Mount Sinai for a day and a half. I'm very nervous about it. And to me, comedy is if you walk into an open sewer and die. What do I care? That's comedy. I see. My finger is important. I see. Well, yeah, well, that's... Sure, if it's not you, it's always fun here. Tragedy is what... Yeah, so, anyway, so we'll just see, man, the thinking man's pedophile. Okay, we'll just have to... <laughs> yeah, I, it, it just made me laugh, just that, that term, and especially yeah. after what we had just spoken about, because I was yeah. thinking of Picasso mm-hmm. as well, as just, you know, mm-hmm. one of those guys who was just a real dick. But, yeah. getting back but, to uh, uh, pop culture... Um, yes, returning. Well, I was going to say, and then we've got uh, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I watched the first episode of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, they are going... Uh, they... I'm curious to see how they're going to do because they've got an Inhumans film set up, and mm. I knew they had been kind of at first in the the, the uh, second season teetering around the edges on the Inhumans to then mm-hmm. just kind of fully come out and referring to them as Inhumans, mm. and now I mean that that is what this season is about, right. you know, kind of uh, two different government groups, you know. Uh, mm seeking out these inhumans and someone's trying to kill them and thank yeah. you know trying to find an alliance and who do you trust right. but i mean they basically are substituting inhumans for mutants mutants right i i understand that the word has gone out to marvel's writers that there are no more mutants yeah that that probably is uh, accurate until... as far as just you know the, the, at least the terminology although but I, mm-hmm. I but this is going to what i was going to say about um oh uh with the flash you know having mm-hmm. the movie and the tv show right and then uh spider-man right mm-hmm. uh but with this you know having inhumans on tv with tv level budgets mm-hmm. you know i i don't know how that's going to translate into a big budget inhumans film right you know and then mm-hmm. are are they going to keep like the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. characters going through, you know, like, and yeah. and the reason I say it is because Marvel TV, what happened just recently, I don't know if you saw, was Kevin Feige, who was the head of Marvel Film, right. was going mm-hmm. to uh, you know, almost quit because apparently the billionaire who got the uh, rights when, uh, it was the two toy guys, right? Um, Avi Ared and this other guy who was more of a businessman. Mm-hmm. Avi mm-hmm. Ared and I don't know if I'm saying the name right, but he left but retained the rights to Spider-Man, right? All right. Or to produce it. And uh, this other guy stayed there, and he forced Kevin Feige to have this uh, brain trust committee, and you know, and he was the one that was even keeping, like, say, Black Widow toys off the shelf because mm-hmm. the toy guy said that, you know, girl toys don't sell, and that's okay. why they were having so many trouble or so many problems getting female superheroes onto the screen. Right. So essentially, Disney finally stepped in since they own Marvel now, and they said uh, to this guy, you know, Kevin Feige, you will report to us directly. No more brain trust. No more having to deal with crazy billionaire. And Mm -hmm. um, but he's still on the TV side and the marketing side. So TV and films are slightly interconnected, but they're still in two different camps. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, it's not like they are always on the same page 
Mm-hmm. Although, you know, now that Kevin Feige's freed up, and I think that was the point at the end of Ant-Man when she said, you know, it's about damn time when she saw the Wasp uniform. Mm-hmm. But also, yep. they just uh, announced the director uh, for Thor Ragnarok, which is another oh, okay. indication that they're taking chances. It's, uh, and I cannot say the guy's name correctly. He's a New Zealander. All right. And uh, very funny. He had done, uh, he worked with the Flight of the Concords guys, and he also uh, directed a film that I don't know if you saw, but you should. It's called <laughs> What We Do in the Dark. Okay. What, uh, uh, let's see. What? Oh, no, sorry. What We Do in the Dark is what I What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> what We Do in the Shadows. Yes, that's okay. what I meant to say. Okay. And the storyline, uh, here's a quick synopsis, is Viago Deacon... Vladislav are vampires who are finding that modern life has them struggling with the mundane, like paying rent, keeping up with the <laughs> tour wheel, trying to get into nightclubs, oh, yeah. I mean, flatmate conflicts. Perfect. Uh, yeah, it's uh, very, it, very funny, and it's got Frank Clement from uh, uh, Flight of the Concords, but it's uh, very droll. I mean, yeah, that, oh, that yeah. sounds it's, very uh, droll. It's like a documentary style. Yeah. You know, uh, I'll well, send uh, I'll send you the link yeah. to the trailer, and we can put it up on the Facebook page, yeah. and it should be out on a, a VOD yeah. and uh, Blu-ray soon. Yeah. But the guy who directed it, co-stars in it, and co-wrote mm-hmm. it is named, I, I think I'm going to say this right, I'm going to try, Taika mm-hmm. Waititi. Okay. And uh, this guy is so freaking funny. <laughs> and he is from uh, New Zealand, and his father is of Tiwano Apanoi. I don't know. So and Maury, his mother is Jewish. Okay, <laughs> so Maury, so so he's got a like. So, okay. But he is the first person of color to direct mm. film. Now, here's the other yeah. thing: is he's only done he's comedy, and he's only done small budget films. And All right, he's going to well, be the one direct. He, he okay, is Thor. going to be directing Thor Ragnarok, which is supposed mm-hmm. to change the Marvel universe the same way that uh, Winter Soldier did. You know, by revealing yeah. all that. Uh, 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 Who am I thinking of? Not uh, uh, Shield, but their uh, antithesis. Hydra. Uh, Hydra. Bad guys. Yeah, the Hydra. Hydra. Hell. Yeah, that Hydra yeah. infiltrated for 50, 60 years, right? Yeah. So apparently Ragnarok is going to do something similar in changing the entire Marvel Universe, and they're putting it in the hands of this guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's just interesting that uh, yeah. that now that Kevin Feige has you know full control basically on his own, you know now you've got the first person of color that's going to be directing... Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and hopefully that's going to open up for Captain Marvel and for Wasp mm-hmm. and, you know, putting mm-hmm. up more diversity, I guess. Yeah. And just a different, you know, different. Let's not have the same sort of films being made, even though they do feature characters that are all similar. Which you really got, you know. Oh, I was going to say, but coming back full circle then. But that and that comes up to the question of is, is that in humans, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of interesting. They announce these things. It's kind of like they announced Iron Fist, right, as the fourth TV show on Netflix, right? Right. So you've got right. Daredevil, uh, Jessica Jones, uh, mm-hmm. Luke Cage, and they're already mm-hmm. filming Daredevil season two. They have not even begun Iron Fist because they can't crack it. They don't know how to do the story to make it somewhat realistic, which mm-hmm. until that's done, that'll lead up eventually to the you know, Defenders. low rent Avengers, Defenders. the Defenders. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's the same thing here with Inhumans. I think they have some inkling, but I don't know like how it, it kind of this is going to sound kind of shitty. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it it's kind of seems it, it doesn't degrade it, but it just makes it seem a little cheaper in my mind. Mm-hmm. OK, does that make so, any sense? It does make sense. Yes, it does make sense. It's sort of like, you know, it's it's 
you know, uh, although I do, I did, I just popped it up on the Internet Movie Database, and they're talking 2019. Not that so, far off now. I mean, yeah. Well, it's still, it's a while ago. Well, yeah. Although, so, and, the, and the rumor is, is that, uh, oh, uh, that Vin Diesel will be the star of it, yeah. and okay, you know, because he did the I Am Fruit. <laughs> As the voice, yeah. but he would play the character, uh, and I can't. Black Bolt. Yeah, Black Bolt. Who doesn't Bolt. talk? Yes, who's who's a presence but doesn't speak. Right. right. Yeah. Because if he opens, even a whisper would make it head blows explode. up. Yeah. Okay. Planets explode. Yeah. The interesting thing about that was that. Uh, yeah. The interesting thing about that was is it's a little weird like that. It's because actually the Inhumans come from originally like part with the Fantastic Four world. That's where they came from originally. They were like part of part and parcel. Right. And indeed indeed one of the Medusa who's the, her her powers, her hair obeyed her will, and I don't know if they're ever gonna do do that, was actually a member of the Fantastic Four for a while when uh you know, when Sue Storm was taking a maternity leave or some such something like that. Right, yeah of course. Uh, well you so, know, yeah with Franklin, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although <laughs> You know, it, it. I don't know. You know, it's one of those things where it, it's even like uh, I thought this was funny, and I, I, I don't know if we spoke about it, but in Ant Man, you know, that they've talked about now, it's the quantum verse or whatever it is. The mm-hmm. uh, it used to be the microverse, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But that was only because at that point, Marvel and Hasbro had a deal and created a toy called the Micronauts. Ah, so they really and yeah, that's they where the wanna... microverse came from. But because they're no longer, you know, don't mm-hmm. have any copyright with the Micronauts, that's why they had to change the Microverse to the Quantumverse. Okay. You know, so not all of these decisions are creatively. Uh, <laughs> no, we can't use that because we because we've lost the we've we've lost the uh, trademark on that, and we do that. You know, we'll have, you know, the you know we'll have Chinese versions of everything that we own. We try to we do already do in the stores, <laughs> but tomorrow and we won't get a and more importantly we won't get a dime from it <laughs> right well that's that's the important part is that yeah. you know that as long as we're making money yeah. although you know I, speaking of which uh, i'm gonna say engineers made me think of something while we're on pop culture topics that i mm-hmm. i don't know if you found interesting or not did you like the film uh this is sci-fi not comics but uh Prometheus? um i didn't actually see unfortunately i did not see prometheus i don't know why i think it's probably i heard it's too good <laughs> Or something like that. Hello? Oh, you were there? We seem to have, like... Hello? Hello, hello, hello? Hey, you there? Oh, I don't know yes, what happened. Yes, I guess so. Oh, we, we, we lost, our, we oh, lost okay. connection right. briefly. Actually, I had not seen Prometheus. I was like, it's, it's one of those films that's, like, on my list, but, you know, because I have... I have terrible no, taste. No, no, no. It's, it's, you know, it's uh, worth seeing. I mean, I know a lot of people had issues right, with it, yeah. but I, I found it to be uh, maybe not always, you know, uh, successful. I certainly didn't think it was a failure, but, mm-hmm. you know, it was uh, interesting nonetheless. Yeah. But they are right. – uh, the reason I was thinking about it was because the engineers – I was saying engineer before mm-hmm. – uh, the sequel to it is going to be called Alien uh, – oh, what is it uh, – <laughs> now I just had it in my head. Alien mm. Lost. Oh God! Now I'm I'm just going to be irritated. <laughs> uh, blah 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 blah. Where are you, Ridley Scott? Um, Paradise yeah, thank Lost. You. Yes, Paradise Lost. I'm an idiot. Yeah, with uh, uh by, what's his name? Uh, uh, 
I am losing my head today. Okay. Who wrote Paradise Lost? Um, Milton. Milton. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in this one, it's going to be going back to uh, uh, going back to the hmm. engineer's planet to see. Okay. Well, it's kind of it's interesting in the sense of uh, the reason I thought you would like it, and uh, is that it, mm-hmm. it it goes to the question of they create even if they created us. Who yes. created them? Like at some point, the question just yeah. keeps going on. Oh, no. You can't. It's it's one of those things. Is that they one of the uh, one of the existing uh, hypothesis about the uh, origin of life on Earth itself was is what well, they've kind of like referred to as the space seed theory. Is from that Mars, uh, right? microbe? Well, no, no, actually from Mars or passing comet or for something out there. Uh, microbes from an earlier, you know, from another another time, you know, landed on the Earth, and the process, you know, that started the process, and evolution, you know, went all from there. But of course, the thing was yeah, that simply beggars the question: is where did they come from? And so, you know, it's not, you know, it's it's not inconceivable, but it's also like it seems to be an unnecessary um, complication to uh, to to an idea. But anyway. But actually, that kind of like kind of leads us to you call yourself a scientist moment because there were a couple of big things in science as they found. You call yourself a scientist. Brackish water on Mars, which uh, yes, <laughs> you know, which several, which there was. Um, interestingly enough, there was uh, a the, the, the I think the tragedy of our age, or just simply the problem with our age, is that everything. Is becoming can can be made weirdly political. Oh, you talking about Rush Limbaugh? Uh, I was talking about Rush Limbaugh, and it was like the hell, uh, you know. And also, like, also the idea that it's advertising for the the film The Martian. Yeah. And now I am not. I, I would not be surprised that they kind of like time their announcement. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, to coincide, well, it, it serves two purposes. And 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 yeah. you know, NASA right now. Look, when we went to the moon, they're working on, I guess, just, uh, you know, taking into account inflation, but only about 9%, right. something like that, of the budget they used to, or they yeah. used to get from uh, uh, yes. the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they need that. They need but, to use whatever tactics they can yeah. to get people excited about it. You know, I mean, yeah. even after yeah. the, you know, well, couple of moon landings. People were bored with it. (laughs) Yes, people were like, "There's no drama with it." Well, you you don't want drama in space because then, yeah, well, not if you're the one in space. Again, that goes back (laughs) to comedy's much funnier when it's not you. Although, but you're right, it is. And but I mean, how do you politicize that to make it like? Why can't just something be filled with wonderment? Why does it have to be left of the leftist agenda? Because I, 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 I. I, I, somebody's brain doesn't work. I, that's the only thing I can think of. It's like, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, he's just. It's it's part and parcel of the. Of well, you his, can't get upset with that kind of stuff either, is because at the end of the day, I mean, he's just an entertainer himself, and in the same right. way that NASA yeah. is doing this to get attention. Well, he's an entertainer that has actually real political. Well, it's in the same. I mean, just, when's the last time we even fucking yeah. spoke about Limbaugh? You know what I mean? And I don't mean us yeah, personally, but I just mean he really hasn't been but, in the cultural conscious. Yeah, especially not, since Fox News. Not, not, yeah, and I'm not saying especially he's essentially since he attempted to uh, portray Sandra Fluke as sort of like this wild, you know, this this crazy slut. Uh, and that just seemed to have really, really touched everybody's wrong button on that. But there is a, there's a little article. Remember, he's I also had, you know a crazed drug addict, so on. A crazed drug addict, and 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 the 
and shall we say your non-thinking person's pedophile. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yes. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So, there's a conspiracy theories that were floating around. One, it was advertising for The Martian, which we discussed. It's also about NASA's budget, which, again, we've also touched on. That, you know, like, we're trying to, like, hey, guys, look at what we do with nothing. If you gave us a little more money, we could do great stuff. Uh, They're recruiting. Uh, why this is somebody commented? Why so late on this discovery, or is it simply information release when NASA is now closer to actually getting astronauts to commit to a possible suicide mission to Mars? Um, despite having a lot less credibility in the world's point, Mars one has been flooded with people eager to sign up. Uh, though actually, they the Russians actually did a test where they kind of locked um, like twelve guys up or eight guys up in a. Um, in an isolation area, like a simulator of a, of a spaceship for like 18 months, which would be the trip for, you know, that's the length of time for the trip to mm-hmm. Mars. And they found by the time they got them out again, their stress levels were so high that their brains, you know, they just weren't functioning normally anymore. You know, they were just, I think it was just the being so close to each other for such a long extended period of time, just, and because you have to be polite, Particularly in space, because it's well, like yeah, I mean, you can't... yeah, it's it, it is the ultimate. Ver- it's not like you can go outside for a walk. I, I mean, I guess you could go for yeah, a space walk, a walk, but it is a much yeah. more complicated and expensive process, process than opening the door. Yes, although you're, you're right. I mean, that kind of confinement. But I, I guess it's similar, though. Like if you were on a nuclear sub, you know, for yeah. six months, you know, you, I could be with the you're same on there people, for six months, which then mm-hmm. you would probably be praying for, you know, that hypersleep. You know, that way, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, for a so, little bit. Yeah. So they would have, um, you know, I mean, that would might be actually something that might be a good idea because actually you might be able to, like, get them in, like, sort of a spreaded animation, but at the same time, kind of spin them so that they're subject to gravity so they don't, you know, get that weight, right. you know, they don't have the weight loss, uh, the bone mar- the bone loss, and all that other stuff that, lets, that uh, zero gravity space brings. And the last one, the last one that I like is basically it's to cover up the existence of Martians. Well, yeah, <laughs> on some level, although I mean, I guess it depends on what you would refer to as a Martian. I mean, if there is a mic- micro uh, organism, I think. But, I think when they, I think they're referring Martians as in like greeting stranger, we come in ah, peace kind of. Well, you know. yeah, as in War of the Worlds. <laughs> as War of the Did you yes. what? What was that old? Uh, oh, the rock opera version of War of the Worlds. That was read by uh, Richard Burton, you know, and it had the music of like, <laughs> the chances of anyone coming from Mars are a million to one, but they still come. <laughs> and it's like Richard Burton. But still like, they come. They are here. The Martians have exited from their <laughs> spacecraft. You don't remember this at all? I, 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 it's, it's ringing I of I'll, I'll look it up. But I was going to say, Neil deGrasse Tyson had said something along the lines of, uh, oh, uh, that one of the theories was, was that you were talking about space debris, that because mm-hmm. of this uh, finding that there was a possibility that um, some of that debris could have hit, you know, that life, uh, or at least portions of life or, or the seeds of life, that that life mm-hmm. here on Earth could have been seeded from Mars, potentially. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's uh, Jeff Wayne's yes, musical Jeff version Wayne, of yes, War of the yes. World. Yeah, that was it. Yes. 
Its format is progressive and rock string up. Yeah, the chances. I for some reason I seem to remember that because it probably got played a couple of times. I just remember. I think on, that's like, the, the opening state. song. I'll, I'll I will probably yeah. add it to this cast. But yeah, the I just remember that it's this very dramatic, you know, uh, or, or over dramatic, mm-hmm. melodramatic, you know, uh, vocal yeah. musical reading of the chances mm-hmm. of anyone coming from Mars. Are a million to one. But they right? still come. That's like, that's really yeah, silly. Yeah. Yeah. Although it's so, not as good uh, as uh, I, I was hoping you uh, would have. I was hoping you would really appreciate Andy Griffith's uh, interpretation of. Uh, of the of the, the the oh I was that was kind of like that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that was somewhat oh my god what the hell now, what are the they fishing hole. And, that was quickly uh, dismissed. Was there? Was there? Not only was it probably never used. It was probably also like, was that? Was there even a second draft really of those lyrics? It really does come across I mean, like something you would hear like in the background while going through uh, Splash Mountain. Yeah. Oh God! So, um, although the, uh, the uh, by the way, I was going to say that, uh, and I was looking this up here um, about recent discoveries, but this is to your point. Mm-hmm. It says salty water flows on Mars today, boosting mm-hmm. odds for life. Mm-hmm. And right. it says the liquid water flows um, on Mars, and the enigmatic dark streaks on Mars, called recurring slope lineae. RSL uh, that appear right. seasonally on steep, relatively warm Martian slopes right. are likely caused by salty liquid water. Liquid water is a key yeah. requirement for life on Earth. Uh, well, there's yeah. no shit. The presence of liquid water on Mars' present-day surface therefore points to environments that are more habitable than previously thought. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is, is, of course, if they are, you know, like, well, why aren't they sending the rover over? to to that or why aren't they they landing in that area they know because they know they know no no one of the things that they know here's the problem is that you know to sterilize a spaceship to sterilize a robot Mm -hmm. is a hell i mean it's it's hard enough to build the thing right and then you got you know if you're going to like start to do biological experiments and search for life you know in that kind of thing with it with a machine like that you got to make you have to assemble it in a clean room so you're basically because you know you don't want any possible contamination from here showing up there, and but you know bacteria and microbes are extremely hardy, so they would they can survive in amazingly hostile environments if they spore. So all we would need is just sort of like you know, hey, look, um, we found life on Mars, but it's actually like. Um, yeah, it kind of looks like bacteria from well, here. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not uh, going to be, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, little green men. I mean, but I, that it's, the fact that no. life exists outside of our known world, you know. Would be, is be. And that, that in itself should it's be enough to get people excited to at least it, think that yeah. not alone. The possibility. Well, here's the, poss- the possibility, and also, like, we would and then know. How it's organized? Does it use D- you know, if if DNA is involved and how or a form of DNA, such and such? How you know, we don't we, the thing so many things we don't know about you know the ways that life could form outside of the you know, outside of, the, of our Earth. Now, however, actually uh, speaking as to you're not alone, 
there was a, a setup, a study that was just released, recently released, uh, which found no evidence of advanced life in nearby galaxies. They, um, if you remember, like they had surveyed something like 10,000 galaxies or so and had not found any sort of like heat signature that would have been indica- indicative of an advanced civilization. They went back again to some of them that seemed, well, maybe there's something going on here and did a, um, a sort of like, they did a, they did a, they did a survey of the more near galax, nearly galax, nearby galaxies. Right. They used they used an earlier report. They went to the more nearby galaxies and they just did a slightly more, um, a slightly more detailed attempt to determine if there's like heat that was coming from, you know, uh, a, you know, heat was coming from things artificial, artif- you know, would possibly indicate sort of an artificial re- use or an artificial reason, uh, cause. And they're just like. It's very clever, but they haven't found jack right. shit. Right. Well, that's that, so, that that that's part of the problem. Is that it, it's yeah. Although I, you know, it's one of those things where it is, you know, like so many things. And today we want instant gratification. This is going to be right. incremental, mm-hmm. but the fact that something was found is is step right. one. It's not the you know it's step uh, one. Uh, the well, finish line. there is yeah. Well, there's that the whole thing. That we're, we're coming here. This is like geek ish more okay. than anything else but this like the Fer- the fermi paradox is basically is that you know if you just simply start listing you know there's these many planets there's this many these many stars these many planets da, 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 you know and you sort of like get the you know the, the the galaxy should be full of intelligent civilizations some of which far far older than ours and the fermi paradox is actually they was like um physicist fermi a bunch of other people and they were just kind of like working this out you know idly uh during the 50s during the height of the ufo thing uh, and then, you know, they all said, oh, that's interesting. And they just kind of walked in and they just, you know, they're sitting down at lunch. About an hour later, suddenly Fermi goes, where the hell is everybody? Right. Because, and that's, that's, that's one of the things that there, there is an idea that there, there's something called the great filter, wherein that, you know, is it life forming itself? And there's some scientists who actually are kind of like, if it's, if the great filter is, comes after life Evolves. Well, and I and I'll tell you the yeah. Uh, yeah. speaking yeah. of evolving, I found a couple mm-hmm. other quick science bit tidbits that you may okay. like. Uh, yeah. Snakes use leg genes to make phalluses. Mm-hmm. Well, which explains why they right. Have to. Well, it's a snake. <laughs> true. Snakes lack you have that, but new research finds that they still have DNA crucial to limb development lurking in their genomes. So why keep that yeah. genetic baggage around? A new study published on October 1st in the Journal of Developmental Cell, of course, that's one of my subscriptions, uh, reveals (laughs) that the same genetic snippets that control the outgrowth of limbs called enhancers during embryonic development in mammals are crucial to the development of the phalluses in both Mm -hmm. mammals and reptiles, Mm -hmm. including legless snakes. And what the uh, Mm -hmm. scientist says is it tells us that we are a little bit myopic in thinking about what these limb enhancers are doing in mammals. We've uh, really been thinking uh, of these as limb enhancers, but more broadly, these genetic components are actually also participating in development and driving gene expression in other body tissues, like the penis or the clitoris that, that yes. extends. But it was interesting, I think, that you know, as much as we distinguish ourselves, I, I you know that snakes were still holding on to this. 
Yeah, it's like our DNA, the way DNA kind of works is that basically they don't eliminate things. It just turns, stuff gets turned off or turned on, depending on how, you know, there's a lot of, ge- there's a lot of stuff in our genes that just simply turned off. And well, speaking so of, and that, it's speaking of genes, I thought you would also, here, here's one other that I found that I thought you'd like. Speaking of uh, how we uh, perceive things, it says that in a new study, mm-hmm. researchers found that a person's environment plays a bigger role than genes in shaping whom they find attractive. The mm. idea that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, another great Twilight Zone episode, uh, has yeah. been around for a long time. Most research on the perception of attractiveness is focused on finding which characteristics people generally find attractive. But in a new study, uh, in another of my... Uh, uh, <laughs> your, your mother's yes, description. Yes, in the uh, current <laughs> biology journal... Uh, They looked at 547 sets of identical twins who have identical DNA and 214 sets of fraternal twins who share half their DNA uh, in the Mm -hmm. Australian Twin Registry. Again, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm locked Mm -hmm. into that as well. The participants looked at 98 male faces and 102 female faces and gave them a rating based on how attractive they thought the faces were. The researchers then Mm -hmm. used these ratings to come up with what they called individual preference scores, which were a measure of how much uh, each participant's ratings differed from the ratings of the average of all people in the study. What they found that if they selected two participants at random, the participants agreed on the attractiveness of a face 48% of the time and disagreed disagreed 52% of the time. Now, what they determined was was that uh, uh, each one uh, of the overall kind of attractive nature came down to not their biological makeup, but where they were living and kind of socially, what mm. uh, uh, their their society, their community, found okay. attractive. So right. even for each twin in a pair, a person's individual environment is unique. So right. even though twins share a lot of their environment because they usually grow up together in the same house, their individual environments, including friends, what they see in the media, and their first relationship, differ enough to give each twin an individual perception of attractiveness. Previous research hmm. has shown that if people see a face and associate with something positive, they tend to find that face more attractive. So right. I just thought that was interesting that we, we think that it's, you know, that beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but it's actually, it seems like it's in the eye of the mob mentality of Whatever yeah. mob you the, are associated whatever, with whatever, by choice or default. Where we grow, where we where we where we grow up, where we stand depends on where we sit. Uh, well, kind I grew of up thing. in like a uh, in a in a swamp <laughs> slash dump. <laughs> so anyone that has opposable thumbs, crack. Thumbs. Hey, babe, how you doing? So um, anyway, I'm moving on to dead people. I don't. <laughs> Dead have anybody? No, I, I let me see if I can. Find... I, I was I took a quick look and I don't really I don't see anybody. I, I, mean, I don't say of significance no, because really. I mean there was a lot of people who passed away, but in that those that oh in our um you know with in our shall we say wheelhouse of of things uh, would you know that we would make we would note. Uh, there doesn't seem to be anybody that you know so notable. No, not not um, uh, not. I mean, not not that you know that, that <laughs> again, I we, know we sound I we, we, we sound so bloody sh- we sound so bloody shallow with this. It's like you know, nobody important, nobody important to us. Yeah, that's right. Die, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> I don't know them. Screw them. I don't know. Screw them. Uh, let's see know, if there was anyone in the last week or so um, that yeah. is mm-hmm. coming to mind. Um, 
blah 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 blah. No, I, not that I really see. Although, no, no, no one of let's let's put it this way, no one of uh, celebrity or pop culture significance mm. per se. Oh, actually, and I just lied. There okay. was one person that passed that I saw, and yeah. uh, it was Catherine right. E. Coulson. She was seventy-one, oh, and okay. uh, she had been a uh, oh a a um, oh. cinematography or DP assistant, Mm -hmm. but had acted occasionally, but was known uh, primarily uh, for playing the Log Lady on Twin Peaks. Oh, that's right. Yes, the Log Lady. There's a rumor that she may have filmed uh, one scene uh, for the new show. (laughs) And she had been dying of cancer. Yeah, I mean, dying. But but she had had cancer, you know, that had been diagnosed Mm. for a while. But hopefully she was able to get, you know, one more... One more, one more moment of the log lady for yeah. us. All right, well then, well then, the log lady is at rest. Um, <laughs> and, is she sleeping and, like a? Yeah, well, I suppose she might. We might say that, but then again, you if know, we're we had callous bad enough. Taste. We do. Yeah, we she's we, we really should. A... She's as stiff as a bus. A log yes, board. Yes. A <laughs> board, yeah, something like that. Anyway, uh, speaking so, of the dead, by the way, in this whole this yeah, last yeah. little thing of science, but I thought you'd like this. They discovered fifty medieval uh, skeletons, mm-hmm. and uh, by doing this, they are going to be searching their teeth to find out about their diet. Okay, <laughs> thought you would like mm-hmm. that. Yep. As far as uh, uh, the log lady, though, uh, okay. do you are you looking forward to the new Twin Peaks? Te- um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's like, you know, the other one has become enshrined in memory and mist. So it's like it may be almost impossible for the other new one to to come up to the, you know, live up to that, you know, the, the standard that they're uh, that people are going to expect of it. Yeah. Although, so. did you see uh, did you see the movie? Uh, no, I did not see the movie. Let me tell you something. Anyone that watched that TV series, because it was kind of even though it was the it was like a sanitized version of Lynch for yeah. her, you know, the mainstream audience, yeah. but anyone that was expecting that in the film, uh, right. which, I mean, uh, the series itself, I mean, I, I was, you know, when it first came out, I was excited, but let me tell you, and I, you know me, like, I don't have any good taste anyways, but yeah. uh, mm-hmm. my God, the movie, <laughs> like, kind of similar to Wild at Heart, mm-hmm. uh, another great okay. David Lynch sure. film, or even, you know, Blue Velvet, it yeah. pushes the boundaries of... <laughs> <laughs> what what yeah, you might seems. be able to uh, stomach, so people that were going in like, oh, this is going to yeah. be kind of eccentric. Yeah, they were getting a hard R of no, 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 nudity and you know violence. I mean, extreme violence. You know, slow motion, weird cuts. You know, dwarves speaking backwards. You know, and saying things that you know just should not be said to anyone. Yes. So, yes. So anyway, so I guess David is like, yeah, they gave him enough money. Well, yeah, but I I will say I I am interested. And and to that point, I saw the trailer for the um, X-Files revival. That's going Mm -hmm. to be starting in January, like a a, a limited series, six episodes, which, uh, you know, it's. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, like they 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 did they did a movie a couple of years ago and that didn't really go anywhere. So, <laughs> so yeah. well, I mean, it, we'll it, see. It, it, the it's... movie itself, yeah, I agree. But both films, 
like one of them kind of served as the, you know, the in-between, I guess, season five and six. Then they tried to mm-hmm. do one a few years later, which was just, even though it was standalone, it was like a really kind of rote, boring, mm-hmm. just not very interesting, and it seemed yeah. very cheap. But there's still a part of me that there's a nostalgia factor of just seeing the two of them together. Right. I always love yeah, the chemistry yeah. between those two. Yes. Though it was interesting, I was like my my sister was watching the X Files, and I'm you know, I I'm sort of like the paranormal, cryptozoology, weird occurrences, freaks, and everything like that. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. What do you think is how you know? Do you how do you um, you know do you like? So she could David Duchovny is a very good looking man. Yes, yes, uh, oh, he is, <laughs> he, he, and not only that, and well, he's got he's got uh, charisma to spare as well. I mean, there's something about yes, him that yes. just he he seems very uh, mm-hmm. confident, you know, and and and, yes. mm-hmm. and even his more kind of quiet demeanor, you know, mm-hmm. and now he can kind of speak yeah. in that kind of uh, lower tone, but it it draws you in, you know. I am fascinating. Yes, yes. Although he's also you know a porn addict, so yeah. <laughs> That, that yeah. part of Mulder was taken from reality. <laughs> yes. Which, by the okay. way, and, and, and uh, real quick, I finally found the quote. Uh, this is from Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Okay. Uh, this line always stuck out to me. When they're at the bar, uh, because this is a mm-hmm. prequel to the TV series, so Laura, okay. uh, what's her name, uh, uh, Palmer, is still yeah. alive. But the the music is so loud and jarring, and it's so bizarre, but they have to have subtitles as everyone's speaking to each other. And uh, the character named Jacques, at one point, for no discernible reason and, you know, not prompted and has nothing to do with any of the conversation currently going on, screams out in his drug-addled state, I'm blank as a fart. (laughs) No idea what it means. But I just remember it's like, and then in subtitles it says, I'm blank as a fart. And I just remember going, okay, well, that's where this is going. Okay, we'll just make a note of that. All right. And with that, (laughs) we shall go to our last segment of the day. Bad movie! As we had last time, we had... um, when you when you see a when you see a movie with a title like Mosquito Man or Mansquito, you kind of know what you're going to get. Right. Uh, this is another one that this is another one like he's straight to DVD thing. It's called P fifty one Dragon Fighter. Huh. I'm where, they were specific it, with what kind of dragon fighter? <laughs> yes, there. It's uh, set in World War Two, as you might imagine. Uh-huh. It's set in the North African campaign. Probably because it's cheaper cheaper in South Africa. Oh, the... I know uh, it was in North Africa, but I'm saying, like, there are... Well, no, I think think this was actually probably filmed out out in... In Alberta or somewhere? uh, Oh, it's a desert location, but... But it was obvious, you know, it was filmed at... uh, It probably filmed not anywhere near... (laughs) The, uh, oh, the, the actual location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actual, yeah. But, but, you know, the U.S. desert looks enough like a desert. It's a <laughs> desert, so it's just like, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just mean, like, a lot of these things are filmed like yeah. uh, they will set them in these places because of the uh, tax shelters yeah, or the avail- stuff. Yeah, something like that. But this is, so this is, um, this is just a uh, World War II rages on. Allies are about to push the Nazis out of North Africa. That's when the Nazis turn up the heat. Unleashing their secret weapons, dragons. Aha! 
Yeah, it starts off with a sort of Indiana Jones kind of thing where this guy is kind of Belloc, you know, he's 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 Belloc light, and he the diet he's Belloc? told that the diet Belloc. I don't know. He's just Dr. like Dr. Heinrich. He's, he's, anyway. Something like that, Doctor Doctor, bless me, whatever the hell. Is <laughs> I'm, I'm looking Doctor, actually at Doctor, the, at, at the yeah, Doctor Heinrich, so. yeah, Doctor Heinrich, or or Doctor Heinrich Goodrun, Goodrun, good, you know, like it's like like no one told why they gave him a last name. No one ever well, not only that, but the guy who during... played him has as good a name, if not better. It's played by the actor yeah, yeah, yeah. Osmond uh, Sirgood. <laughs> Sirgood. So he says, and they pick up an egg. Like, look, it looks like a, a little bit larger than an ostrich egg. And he goes, he holds it up, and there's a light, and you can kind of see through it. There's, like, something inside of it. Inform the Fiona, we have succeeded. So, sure. the next thing... Go get him. Yeah, okay. You know, what, what, do you want to make an omelet? What the hell? So, so the next thing is they get up with, they have a, um, there's a, there's a tank in the middle of the desert, and... We have we see a, 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 the budget is minuscule because there's an A tank, a U.S. tank, and there's a jeep, and they are scouting around and they look through the valley and they says we, we see something you know let's call in artillery on it, and the the other the other uh, the the jeep says no no these are these are decoys, and I think the reason they were able to call them decoys is because they just the the effect is so cheap that you know, like they had to be, you know, you could get away. They figured, okay, we can't, we can't make it real because this, this looks awful. We'll just say they're sure, decoys. Yeah. Fine, you know, like that. So they're then the dragons attack, and Why they are, they? <laughs> yeah, they're, you know, I mean, they're like, you know, they're sci-fi channel level, maybe a little bit uh -huh. better. Uh, um, P, you know, uh, uh, CGI. Right. Which end up fighting CGI so P fifty one like a PS three and a P yeah it's like a PS three PS three to P fifty one and they have you know and they breathe fire and they blow up the tank and then they blow up the they blow up all of these um, they blow up the P fifty ones one by one you know as, as this is as the credits are rolling you know directed by you know like oh, produced, sure. executive producer. Ah! And the you know like so they they, they that goes to the end of, so they you know directed by it it blows up, so the interesting thing is that they have um the the dragons all have iron crosses tattooed or drawn on their wings. <laughs> uh, first of now, all, whose job is that? Yeah, this this is what occurs. How they got well? Did 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 they did, they couldn't do it when they're small because like you know they couldn't as Monty Python said they they stamped them when they're small but they couldn't do that. By the way, I have a bunch they of uh, uh, factual errors and goofs in the film. <laughs> oh, good God! To, it just uh, it just with you. it it goes on and on and on and on and so on and so really it was just an excuse well, I mean, to you claim CGI other than the fact yeah, you know, World War Two dragons. World War Two, but with dragons on Nazi the German dragons. side. Nazi dragons. Now, I mean, the other thing has occurred to me though, because they so they put the Iron Cross on the dragon's wings. He's, you know, here's the other thing. In addition to like, whose job was that? <laughs> uh, the second, the second thing occurred to me is why did they bother to do that? Were they worried that there were going to be sort of like well, allied yeah, like dragons flying around? With, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, you made this genetic. Hybrid discovery, like, you know, what are the chances yeah. mm -hmm. of, like, ah, oh, shit, is that our dragon? I can't, like, yeah. put the cross on it or not? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that when you see a big fucking flying lizard in the sky, mm -hmm. 
yeah. probably a good chance, yeah. since those don't exist, that it's yours. Yes, yes. So they so cut to uh, the male lead who is basically doing sort of like another Indiana Jones pull off, where they're just he and this other guy are like taking shots and then punching Which, each by other. By the way, I just found uh, out. You know who else auditioned for Indiana Jones? Y'all know that Tom Selleck um, turned it down. Yeah, Burt Reynolds? Uh, no, no, but, and we know that Harrison Ford <laughs> didn't want to do it at first because it yeah. was too close to Han Solo, right? Or Lucas right, right. didn't want him because it was too close to the character. But uh, Sam yeah. Elliott, you imagine okay. that? Mm. Yeah, well, he was even better. Sam Elliott. Like a low mumbling. He was, he was good, he was very good. Mm. You know? Really not that mm. different from Harrison Ford these days, I'd say. No, oh, no, no. But Except they, for, yeah. honestly, after his, uh, speaking of airplanes, after his airplane accident, mm-hmm. he seems yeah. to have found a new lease on life and uh, kind of lightened up a bit. Okay. But mm-hmm. back to the fake Indiana Jones. Back to the fake Indiana Jones. So they're, what happens is he is obviously, what they're doing, he's grounded himself. You about Lieutenant John Robbins? Yeah. Yeah, he's the best man for the job. And Always they assembled the a He's the best man. Well, what is he doing grounding himself? So he's, he's the guy getting drunk and beating, beating, having somebody beat the shit out of him while he's well, not beating only somebody that, how else How do you up. qualify someone who's the best at, you know, flying against dragons? Dragons. Yeah, they're like, it's like, you know, like other, you know, maybe if his name was George, you might, you know, think, well, maybe there's a family thing going on there or something like that. By the way, I like but, the tagline, uh, <laughs> the battle for air supremacy has become. See, they put in supremacy mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so they... He assembles, as he's being told by the general, you know, the general says, we need you to do this. They show him a piece of film. And instead of, like, basically saying, no fucking way, I'm sorry, this is insane, uh, he he goes on to assemble a crack crew of red shirts, is the only way I can describe them, uh, all of his various different uh, ethnic groups. There's, like, Czechoslovakia, there's a black guy, there's a yeah, French well, that's guy, right, there's yeah, a for British us. guy, so say that. Da, da, da. It's the dirty, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's the international and the international fighter squad. And they're called, they call themselves a ghost squad because they don't really, we don't really officially exist. Now, now here's the thing. Why would they not officially well, exist? You're dealing with something the Germans are doing. You know, who are you hiding this do you, from? Do you, do you want to know what's even, I was just thinking about your whole Iron Cross field. Do you want to know what's even dumber mm-hmm. than that? Yeah. During World War II, the Germans did not use the Iron Cross. It's a national insignia yeah. on their aircraft. Yeah. Instead, they used, uh, they used, as I try to speak intelligently, I say yeah. used. Uh, they used no, there's the a different... Balkan cruise. Which is sort of like, it's it's a cross. It is a cross, know, it's but it's like not the Iron four, Cross. It's like, it's so like not four L's. did kind they of put like... the Iron Cross on dragons to distinguish them from the... Yeah, other like myriad of dragons that don't exist out there. <laughs> they didn't even put the correct symbol on it. No, well, I mean, they, they, they couldn't be bothered. I mean, the fact, I mean, the only thing, you know, the fact that they have World War II. Other than that, I don't think they really kind of... Well, Boston Cruise, just, by the way, it's World War II. Bar Cross, which makes... Yeah, it's Bar Cross. So it's like, basically, there's two L... It's like, there's like these... It's the... If you see it, like every, every other war... F- Every other war film, you see it. It's just that right. that's it. You know that you could. You, it's, it's there. So um, they go on, and he's you know. So he's he's assembles this crew, and they they attempt. They're they're getting together, and they're having trouble bonding, and and he can't fly because he's grounded. Sure. 
and they're going to give him, you know, he says, if you come through with this, we'll give you your wings back. Why did you get him together then? If you but just start, I'm, I'm sense is just simply not going on here. So he's um, he's also involved with a hot nurse because because he, he is <laughs> um, because you can't have you can't have a self destructive loner not be involved with a hot nurse who feels sorry right. for him. Um, very Hemingway, and then very Hemingway, very very Hemingway. I mean, he's not he's not. Uh, Entirely like that, but hey, he um, let me just get my train of thought together again. Okay, so their their first attempt is ends up somewhat disastrously. Uh, they lose like three guys in the beginning of uh, you know, three guys in the first attack against the first fight against the um, against the dragons. Uh, he is now uh, and they. The, their first fight against the dragons. We also flash occasionally over to Erwin Rommel, who seems to be played by a guy who looks more like uh, the guy from the streets of San Francisco. Oh, Carl than, Malden. Uh, he looks more like I, Carl I Malden. The nose, young Michael Douglas. The nose is more in a really kind of looks looks resem- remarkably like uh, Carl Malden's nose. I mean, it's like, <laughs> but he's Rommel is. Um, He's kind of like he's he is one of those people. Uh, he's not happy with the idea of dragons being used in combat. Um, I, I, you know, it's it's the goal. It's the whole good crowd thing. Rommel was the lat. You know, Rommel is is you know shorthand for the good crowd of World War Two. He's always you know he's always portrayed like that. He's always portrayed as you know not as an honorable man. Da 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 yada 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 yada. You know, uh, he's an adversary, but he's an honorable adversary. Such and such. Uh, you know, never mind that he actually got his first command because he was actually in command of Adolf Hitler's bodyguard. Uh, which... You know, what's funny is that I have something that that actually, because I was just reading up on this, that not only is the premise so far, you know, clearly uh, yep. stupid, but but yep. to make it even dumber, I thought you'd appreciate this. Mm-hmm. During the early days of the uh, Battle of Britain, the British attempted to use mm-hmm. flamethrowers as a weapon against enemy aircraft. It was found to be totally ineffective. Planes flew at a high enough speed that they flew through the flames without suffering any damage whatsoever. Therefore, the dragons in the film should not have been able to destroy any of the aircraft. Right. <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, unless they yeah. were Which suicide there, dragons. You know, yeah. you know yes. they're, 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 suicide they're dragon. planes. Not, and yeah, and we're also, like, and here's one other thing for you. The P-51D uh, Mustangs pictured in the film... They did not become yep. operational until March of 44, and they were not used right. in the North African campaign of 1942 to 43. The correct no, choice would be the P-40 Warhawk. I like that someone yes, is so was... nerdy about World War II. Watch this film well, and, and decided. And we're just just the writing these things down. I mean, I mean, I, I could have wasted. I could have done the entire. You know, I could have done that, but I was just like going. Uh, you know, like the hell with it. You know, just they—they they, they don't care. Meantime, there's also the other thing is that they have like these, these, these blonde women in black robes who control the dragons by singing or something sure. like that. Sure. Or I think that, that's through a known, telepathy. That's a known fact. It's 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 well known fact. Turns out one of them's a spy. We know she's the good one because she has cleavage. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that goes back to our uh, uh, who you find attractive. <laughs> yeah, I guess who you find attractive. So, um, they get. They, 
they've, they've killed one dragon and they're going to go look for the body and see if they can get some more weaknesses from the you know from the corpse and you know like get some more things like that um, the ghost squadron and the ghost squadron does this themselves I mean they wouldn't send God forbid you'd send somebody else to do this I mean they're airmen they're not trained infantry well yeah not only that but, <laughs> you know, but why was it why why is there a Tuskegee airman yeah, yeah, who knows? I mean, please, they needed a black guy, you know. So they just like, you know, like, do not, do not, do not even. Yeah, I shouldn't be questioning the logic of a film where Nazi dragons. Mm. <laughs> where you got Nazi dragons, you just get the rest of it is just kind of go, let it go. Yeah. Um, they end up with, uh, they end up getting actually, they, there are four of them, and they end up actually getting captured by Rommel. And Rommel, they're captured by the Germans, and they're brought to Erwin Rommel, and Rommel, in the good crowd bit, basically says, listen, there is a, these old dragons are all female. There's going to be a male dragon, if there's a male dragon born, he will destroy the world. Ah. And I I believe that the doctor has a, eggs, one of those eggs is a male dragon, and he wants to hatch it, and he wants to destroy the world for whatever reason. It's never exactly said. <laughs> <coughs> he then proceeds to give the Ameri- the, Ameri- the the ghost squadron the plans and specifications of the incubator where all the eggs are and I wrote that when I was writing down when I saw this I wrote down don't put all your dragon eggs in one incubator <laughs> uh, is, is a rule for uh, <laughs> before they hatch <laughs> Before they hatch, don't put all dragon. You know, don't don't put you know don't put all your eggs in one. Don't put all your dragon eggs in one basket. Kind of note to, uh-huh. the, to the guy. So they were they decided to have and because of budgetary limitations, they only had the one B seventeen. Whereas in the real life, they would have had like thirty of them uh, to, to do this. Uh, the Ghost Squadron escorts the B seventeen. Meantime, the SAS, or the Special Desert Force, Long Range Desert Reconnaissance, which became the SAS, of which there's three of them in the film. The film has a budget of $11. I mean, it really just, you know, like there's, there's never enough people to, to justify. The, the scenes just don't make any sense. Um, they go in and they open up the, there's an incubator, there's an air shaft or something like that, or a sunlight thing to get, they give the eggs air or light or something like that. They're just going to drop a bomb down that. So, so the SAS and the you know and the good and the good witch or the good vixen or whatever the heck Valkyrie-ish lady with the you know with with the tits uh, helps them get in there and they capture like, this pig-like German guy who's been snortling about the uh, about the he's like he's 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 a, he's the bad Nazi you know Rommel's the good crowd this guy's the bad Nazi so he ends up getting you know shot in the head. Uh, by the by, the tit lady, um, the the SAS open up. They end up getting the. They have the. Um, oh, I should really. I've got to go back here for a moment because the uh, the the grounded pilot gets his wings back to lead this mission. He also confesses to the hot nurse that the reason he grounded himself was that during a mission to. Um, attack a V-2 base, which, of course, did, was not until late 1944-45. The V-2 did not exist. Um, uh, he ended up, he had, uh, in addition, he was like, once that mission was accomplished, they were going back, and he was picking on targets of opportunity, and he was, like, shooting up a, a, shoot, shooting up a, uh, a truck convoy, 
and he saw some of them run into a um, you know run into a building and he dropped the bomb you know he wouldn't have had a bomb at that point because it was an escort fighter it would have been you know they didn't do that they you know if they were going to have bombs they would have been on quill support anyway but uh, he drops the bomb and basically you know blow apparently blew up the school like the, the German troops had hidden in the school so he blew up the school and killed women and children this proves to be a highly successful sexual lubricant um as he confesses this to the hot nurse <laughs> so um they next thing they go is he's now that we return now he's the head of the he's the he's the he's the guy leading the fire squadron uh there is much toing and froing in battle uh, most of the fire squad you know the fighter squadron is destroyed except for two guys the black guy and the male lead everyone else has been killed in various heroic ways um or just dumb ways, depending on how the screenwriter was feeling at the time. The they go in the first time they drop, they did they don't it doesn't work. The second they bring it around for a second run, uh, he at that point the male dragon makes his appearance and he's like pretty much the same design, but he's like three times bigger. And he has instead of like the iron right, cross. Yeah. He's got swats. Oh well, that's well you know you want to make sure it, that the dragons know. You know the, the pecking this, order. This, uh, pecking order. He's got He's got the Nazi swastika on each. You know this now, is. Uh, not, this sounds like a not. <laughs> not only, not only was it the Nazi swastika on there. They also had the red around it too. You know, it's like. Well, <laughs> you know, have you seen the film Iron did... Sky? Uh, I've seen bits and pieces. Yeah, I was going to say, if any how... film you know deserved to be in the bad movie canon, and if you haven't done it yet, we may have to do that. I'll, I will watch it as well. Okay. But it sounds yeah. like that, except uh, I think Iron Sky was there, there on the, the moon, track. right? That there's a, a and yeah. the sub uh, like the subtitle, not subtitle, excuse me, but the uh, tagline is "The Reich Strikes Back." Yeah. Okay. So the whole idea, you know, so he. Uh, our our gallant hero, Lieutenant Alan Wright, or whatever the hell is is Scott Martin, played by Scott mm-hmm. Martin, rams his plane in. You know they have the. This is supposed to be the biggest, meanest, awfulest, ugliest, world-shaking, civilization-destroying, just causes your neighborhood neighborhoods house prices to go down, dra- uh, real estate values to go down. Dragon. I mean, this is like the the big thing. <laughs> I like that. So, that's what you're concerned about. Well, I don't know. I just like I was just I was just throwing an imminent, but oh god, my real estate. estate. (laughs) I just just throwing that. So they, of course, and the 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 block light is immediately. He says, "Ah, my dragon!" And of course, the dragon, of course, because it's movies, immediately fries him. You know, he so, you know, the bad people are bad people are disposed of in in weird ways, so in bad ways. So the dragon is on screen. The, after all this build up, it's like half of the film they're building up to this Ragnarok thing. You know, this is like the end of end of end right. of days and things like that. And all it took to kill it was basically ramming it with a P fifty one. Bang! It's done. <laughs> Which is what flown by Scott. He flies the flies the plane into right into the dragon's head, and the dragon apparently then conveniently blows up. They drop a bomb in. They blow up all the rest of the eggs. Everything is fine, but they think, you know, Scott is dead. They, the, Mr. Allen is, Mr. Lieutenant Wright is dead, but it turns out he survived somehow. I don't know how he was supposed to have survived, uh-huh. but he survived. He is then reunited, you know, he's rescued, reunited with a hot nurse, and they sort of, like, embrace and start 
you know, making out strenuously. <laughs> and and then there's a harmonica player who had been featured earlier in the film, and I had mentioned him because there's like and so many other look, things going did she on. Period, or did she just look hot? Uh, I think she, she they tried to make her look period. I mean, no, she wasn't. I, I was you know, watching it, that show Sleepy Hollow, which you know by default it's not really kind of with this. It's dragons. It's you know it's Ichabod Crane during the Revolutionary War. I mean, what you're not looking for yeah. realism, but I just mean they yeah. would have uh, even uh, Betsy Ross, you know, yeah. had cleavage and you know just like the makeup yeah. and hair yeah. still looked modern day. Yeah. No, was, I'm sorry. It was John Robbins, Lieutenant John Robbins, was his, his name, and Scott Martin is in the in the film. It's John Robbins. So John is reunited with the Rachel McKay, the hot nurse, a harmonica player. They start to make out a harmonica. They kind of fade back a little bit outside the tent. Right outside the tent is a harmonica player who had been there earlier when he was confessing the fact that I basically I strafed a school. Um, which then, you know, like, if, you know, I obviously, hey, babe, I, I, um, I'm a war criminal. I uh, blew up a school full of children. No, oh, you know, take me, you wild thing. But uh, it's just, um, the harmonica player well, just kind of right. looks the at them. Like and then, someone that has a dark I, I guess, side. I don't know. Maybe somebody just, you know, he, he could make a decision, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Bless me. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah, you know, uh, Kind of off the beaten path again, but uh, our tangent. I was gonna say, but that's like you know, how is it that you see that these guys that are like serial killers, that get women that you know write to them, you know, proposing to them, like yeah. these, how the fuck are these guys getting laid? Yeah, I, I, I just I don't know. I think there's something weird about that. I just obviously people have got other other. Well, things yeah, going yeah. On. It's clearly yeah. some sort of dark past, or you know, some sort of uh, oh, just, Oedipal something underlined yeah. there. Oedipal-ish thing, right. yeah. So, anyway, so the harmonica player starts to play. Now, here's here's the thing, you know, like, um, I play the harmonica a little bit. I've done it. I can actually bend notes a little bit if I get back and practice and all that little blues harmonica and everything like that. And it's almost impossible because a harmonica is 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 a is a is a, is a tempered instrument. It's an everything is in a scale. It's almost impossible not to make something that sounds at least a little musical while you're playing on it. <laughs> this guy managed twice to not sound musical or even get even close to a song in either attempt. So they're fading out and the guy's just simply blowing random notes at random times in the harmonica. And it's like this it's literally the worst harmonica playing I have ever heard in my entire life in a movie or or uh, anywhere. I mean it's just like it's it's dreadful. It's, it's it just insanely pretty bad. much terrible. It was terrible. It was dumb. It was silly. It didn't have a lot. You know, there wasn't a lot of psychological depth. They had like people who were like, basically, I'm just reciting these lines. Just please, just, 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 no more takes, please. Just, just, just. I, I, I've given you everything I have. Yeah, just. Uh, we, we never, we, none of the, none of the, of the chum or whatever it is, the, the, the elite fighters who are all knocked off fairly quickly, I might add. We never get to know any of them. We never get to care about any of them. They don't, they just, you know, they just die, you know. Um, you, you barely care about the main lead because he's just like, oh, I'm in such agony. But I don't think the actor's got the chops to really carry off internal agony. It just kind of sounds more like, oh, I, do I want a sandwich? Or do I want like a sit-down dinner? 
Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> it's really the you know his 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 internal struggle really seems to be what what to eat. So and they you know they they're drinking is they they drink a lot. They're like I, I I'm sure it's all iced tea, but I've got the sense that there was probably a lot of drinking going on during the making of this film because it just you know otherwise I don't think I don't see some of these people could get. Oh going. yeah. Uh, so it was just it was just dumb. Don't see it. Well, it's it really, I, I think there's like, always you know you and I have talked about this before. There is the uh, I, I would put it in the same way I think of Al Pacino these days. There's mm-hmm. good Pacino, bad Pacino, yeah. and then good bad Pacino. Yeah. You yes. know the uh, over the over uh, over the top is just wonderful, yeah. or just as entertaining. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and I'm also one that I don't even like the term guilty pleasure because you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I think in these days, like either you like it or yeah. you don't. You know, <laughs> like you don't right. feel guilty. Yeah. About. But I mean, there's th- so many things about this film that just make you go, wait, wait a minute, wait. Well, my, this my, film wait, just wait, doesn't wait, sound wait, like wait. it was even a in that realm of like, the good bad Pacino. No, no, it's not. The and good, a lot bad of Pacino. them, you know, the, I don't even mind, you know, uh, crap or bad acting or goofiness. Clearly, um, but I, you know, boring. Is what I think is boring the biggest is, sin for a lot of don't things. be boring. Don't be right. boring. It just and this was this was, um, you know, if you have enough, you know, it it's it's paced badly. There's just not enough things going. There's not things that can happen. So and that's the other thing. If you're going to have a, like a dumb, stupid film, have things happen right. quickly. Uh, I mean, like again, what makes No Holds Barred the Hulk Hogan film, which had a much bigger budget than this, I admit, but still, what made that work is just weird shit was going on every minute of the day every minute because every frame was filled with craziness so well yes just... yeah and i think that uh you know the film that and uses that just... the line of uh what is it i made a dookie or i yeah what's that smell oh, dookie. That was it. Yes. Yeah, i mean yeah, which yeah. So i just really got a good it. review for this movie i think we yes this is duke what's that smell this is dookie so uh yeah it's just unless you want to see uh you know, unless you want, unless you want to see dragons with iron crosses on their wings. Uh, well, I think you could just take a look at the uh, the film poster. Just still, yeah, there you <laughs> You'd go. Probably get a good a good idea, and probably better than, much a... than the actual presentation in the film. I would imagine that would probably be the case. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, yeah, that sounds uh, awful, and I will uh, do my part by not watching it. No. And I would also probably recommend anything that uh, Martin Atkins directs to stay away from. I, I, I'm looking over his other stuff, and it's just not. It is a cavalcade of crap. Oh, well, it looks like he's like he's like one of those guys that basically they'll take off, they'll take on, um, they'll do some things. Uh, they, they like, for example, I think that he, he just finished directing. Uh, a road warrior ripoff. Yeah, it's kind of like that uh, company um, that did like instead of yeah. Transformers, they had Transmorphers. Chargers, instead of uh, like Alien so, versus Predator, they had Alien versus Hunter. You know, my favorite yeah. one was instead of Pacific Rim, I think they was called like and the Atlantic, Atlantic Rim. Rim you know? <laughs> yeah. So it was just. Um, uh, well, you know, what are you gonna do? A buyer beware. Buyer beware. Stay away from that film director. Stay away from that film uh, yeah. company. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> and, I, well uh, I, it's Asylum. That was that's the name of the company. And and you know what? That, that was Asylum. A couple of them I have watched. Uh, they are funny and fast forward. It's why I enjoy. There's a. I'll put this trailer up for you uh, on our Facebook as well. But 
there was a film that Draft House Films put out in the last year or so called Trailer War, where they have assembled, you know, some of the nuttiest trailers from, you know, the last 40, 50 years of just, you know, from all across Mm -hmm. the world. And, uh, yeah, in in small chunks, it is Mm -hmm. uh, delectable, you know. But as a meal, it It, sours the... uh, the soul. Yeah, you sours the <laughs> sours the stomach and withers the soul. Well, anyway, uh, anyway, with that, this is Bob here saying peace, love, show the night. This is Mister the Bandit saying toodaloo. She's my cousin, but doesn't she or? Almost exactly was Laura Palmer. But it it is Laura Palmer. Are you Laura Palmer? The chances of anything coming from Mars are a million to one, he says. The chances of anything coming from Mars are a million to one. But still, they come. He said, chances of anything coming from Mars are a million to one, but still they come.